0: I've read this passage of the gospel for years, and this had always escaped my attention. That It had always escaped my attention that one of the most oft-quoted verses of Scripture, oft-thrown-around verses of Scripture, the one that makes it on a t-shirt, the one that, besides Jesus wept, is the one we can all remember, is given to us by way of a Pharisee. Now, as many of you probably know, Pharisees, every story needs a good guy and a bad guy. And in the gospel and in the coming weeks, coming up in the passion of Jesus, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees are oft painted as the villains of the story. Pharisees and Sadducees were, were members of the ruling class of the temple. They were very righteous people. And even they had theological arguments. One believed in a physical resurrection and one didn't. And because of these theological differences, they didn't like each other much either. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, much of them didn't like Jesus too much either. But they were indeed the the heroes of the church, really, because they're the reason we have the the temple down the street from us today, are because of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And if you go to a temple service on on Shabbat on Friday or Saturday morning, or you go to a, a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah or any high holy day, you might hear a devar, a word, a sermon by the rabbi. And he or she may quote a Pharisee or a Sadducee in the sermon. They weren't bad people, these folks. And we have to thank one of them for... The whole notion of being born again too, something that particularly in American Christianity maintains a really prominent spot in our imaginations. See, Nicodemus was educated. He, he was probably literate. He had a stable job because he could donate to the temple. He was a pillar of the temple. He was an important person. He was a leader of the Jews, John says. And in Nicodemus was one of those that would have watched Jesus from a distance. He would have stood in a little crowd of folks on the edge of the crowd listening to Jesus preach or teach or heal people and would have been a part of the murmuring crowd that we hear about in the gospel. He would have been a part of a crowd that watched Jesus with suspicion and probably great resentment. Because this Jesus, well, let's face it, he associated with with women, Gentiles, Sumerian Jews, tax collectors, small children, folks that Nicodemus and his folks, the Pharisees, were not accustomed to mixing with. But for some reason, something Jesus said sunk in, stuck with him, got in and disturbed him a little bit, so much so that he was awakened in the dead of night And he puts on his clothes and his sandals and he walks across town in a very risky move to talk with this Jesus. And you know, just a conversation with this itinerant preacher could have gotten him into a lot of hot water. But Nicodemus had seen Jesus perform miracles. Nicodemus had heard Jesus preach and teach. Something had brought him there to Jesus on this dark and stormy night. And you know, from the very start, Nicodemus comes right out, says, Jesus, you know, you're for real. He calls him teacher. And they start this important conversation. This wordplay, this verbal sparring that we see. Because as many conversations do in the middle of the night, this conversation gets really weird for Nicodemus. Jesus. Well, he was really good at messing with people's heads, especially religious folk. And Jesus proposes to Nicodemus that that you be born from above, as our translation says today. Born again, as Nicodemus hears him. And Jesus uses this really uh, carefully chosen uh, pun, a metaphor, as it were. And Nicodemus totally gets lost in the metaphor and he thinks for a, a split second that, that perhaps this Jesus has lost his mind and that he proposes some bizarre religious ritual or, or, or some kind of thing where we, he says, we, we have to crawl back inside our mother's womb for a second time and be born again? You see, Nicodemus, we have to excuse him. He was a literal reader of the text, probably, a close reader of the Torah and the Scripture, used to taking things on their face value, used to enforcing and interpreting the law and thinking about the law of God. So we can't really blame him that he uh, thinks Jesus means a literal kind of do-over. I mean, who can blame him for resisting that notion? I'm not so sure I would want that do-over if I were offered that kind of do-over. I mean, sure, I'd enjoy not snoring or having a messed up rotator cuff or, or having presbyopia and needing these glasses and of course, once again having a twenty eight inch waist, reliving that part would be good, but a total do over, that's that's a nightmarish notion, Nicodemus says to Jesus, to which he is resistant. But of course Jesus is proposing a different kind of do over. And Nicodemus stays with the conversation. He lives with the questions that he has. And he's there with Jesus, and Jesus, as Jesus is known to do, takes his view of reality a little bit askew in a good way. And this man of the ruling class in the middle of the night heard something and was there searching for something new. You know, we are Nicodemus. We stand off from afar and watch these things Jesus does sometimes. We hear these words that Jesus says and we let them sink into our intellect that maybe they don't make their way into our heart and soul. We're members of polite society. We're members of, the, of a stable, well-established religion. We like to read. We're educated. We tie to the church. We give to the church. We contribute. But you know... Speaking for myself, as a member of this polite society that we're a part of, I too am in need of the other kind of birth that Jesus is talking about, the real kind of rebirth Jesus is talking about today. In fact, in you know, most days I am in great need of being reborn of the Spirit. We're like Nicodemus because because none of the things that we fill our busy lives with quite do it, do they? and we too wake up on some days and we realize that we too need in the cloak of the night perhaps to go and talk to Jesus that we too need this savior that we too need to be reborn from above we need this kind of rebirth that Jesus says comes only from God this rebirth of the spirit this rebirth It's offered freely by God, just as the wind is offered. This is a word Nicodemus would have been familiar with. There's more funny wordplay here. Uh, The word ruach, wind, also means spirit in Hebrew. And he uses a nice pun here, perhaps, because he wants Nicodemus to understand that this rebirth, like the wind, is free. That it's not an act of will or achievement or righteousness. It's not something that we can make happen. We cannot make the wind blow. It's not a gift of our reason or even a gift of our our showing up in the temple. But it's a gift freely bestowed upon us by God, a gift that's as free as the wind that blew in Nicodemus' face as he walked over to speak with Jesus. Don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of reason. I'm a big fan of being smart. I'm a bigger fan of showing up to church. and we're pretty sure that we have it all together but i think one of the ways in which our brokenness shows up loud and clear is that we think that's all we need to have it together to understand to con- we are convinced somehow that if we work hard enough or we achieve enough or we we're smart with the markets we create just the right conditions in our our community or our society or our government somehow will all be saved. We're convinced that if, that if we get all the different elements of our life under control and working really well, we will be saved. We are convinced that if we can have successful programs and have clearly stated purposes and goals and mission statements, we will be saved. However, I don't think we come here for clearly stated mission statements. Or purposes or goals. I think we're here week after week because we have come to realize that that kind of salvation is not quite enough. One of the problems we all ought to have with this part of Scripture is that the shriller voices of Christendom have co-opted this language of being born again and have co-opted John three sixteen. We shy away from talking about being born again in our church. But I have to tell you, the reason I'm a big fan of your showing up is because we do it every time we come to church. We are born again. Every week when we participate in this holy meal with the body and blood of Christ, we are regenerated anew. The fact that we are regenerated has nothing to do with the righteousness or the clear purposes or the intelligence that we bring in here. It has to do that we are God's children like Nicodemus. Like Nicodemus, friends, we need to let Jesus mess with our heads. We need to let Jesus challenge us with this notion of new birth from above. And during Lent, during the whole year, every day, we are invited to this new kind of life with God. We are invited by Jesus to let the spirit blow where it may, to let it have its way with us. As followers of Christ, we are called and invited to relationship with Christ in such a way that we are given access to new birth, not just one time. See, we are not born again just once. It's not a date we can point to like our birthday. It's something that happens again and again and again through this relationship that we have with Christ. This relationship that God invited us into through Jesus Christ. God invites all of us, even the Nicodemuses of the world, into, and I am definitely one of those. Wake up. Meet this Jesus. Let him mess with your head. Be born again.